0: Sup you beautiful bastards, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button, subscribe, all the good stuff. But quick note before we get started, very excited to announce in just a few days, August 2nd, next, Monday, the new shop to Franco Drop is dropping. So all the ladies have made the Sage cropped hoodie the most successful product we've ever launched. Thank you, and also in advance, you're welcome. I'm dropping this cotton candy cropped hoodie and sweatpant combo, along with some hats that could go along with it, as well as for everyone on black camo, multicolor embroidered, emotionally exhausted gear, as well as some dope sandstone and sage options. And finally, introducing the newest line to the beautiful bastard family, Honestly, I'm fucking killing it. Available in both the black camel you see me wearing right now, as well as safety yellow, which looks amazing. Also, as promised, uh, because you did make it the number 1 product, uh, I am now uh, modeling the new cropped hoodie. It's I feel very uncomfortable. You want the strangest things. Okay, I'm switching back. So yeah, you can be on the lookout for Monday though, uh, because there are certain sizes that are going to be limited for certain products. you want to make sure you get in on this drop and you don't know, become one of the, the many people that end up sending very angry tweets at me because the thing they wanted is sold out? If you live in North America, text me at this number, 813-213-4423. Or if you're international, go to shopdefranco.com, enter in your email and I'll email you when it launches. Yeah, with that out of the way, once again, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button and let's just jump into it because there's a lot of news to go through. First up today, holy hell, in massive entertainment and business news, we have Black Widow herself, Scarlett Johansson suing According to the Wall Street Journal, Johansson filing the lawsuit today in Los Angeles Superior Court against Disney, alleging that her contract was breached when they released the film on Disney Plus streaming service at the same time as its theatrical debut, and saying in her agreement that Disney's Marvel Entertainment guaranteed that this would have an exclusive theatrical release, which it didn't. It was also released on Disney Plus Premier Access for $30 at the same time. the key thing here is that her salary was based in large part on the theatrical, right? The box office performance of the movie. With the suit saying that Disney intentionally induced Marvel's breach of the agreement without justification in order to prevent Miss Johansson from realizing the full benefit of her bargain with Marvel. The Wall Street Journal adding that this decision may have cost Scarlett Johansson more than $50 million, according to a source familiar with the contract. You know, this case even being filed, but depending on what, happens here. It could prove to be incredibly important because while yes, this is about Scarlett Johansson, by no means should we expect this to be the last one or the hybrid model of theatrical and digital release at the same time, it's affected a big number of movies. The thing is coming back to Scarlett Johansson, according to the report and the complaint, Ms. Johansson's representative sought to renegotiate her contract after learning of the dual release strategy. But ultimately they're claiming that Disney and Marvel were unresponsive. Now, with all that said, as far as Disney's response to the situation, we actually reached out to a contact we have over Disney. I did not expect them to actually respond, but they did respond with this hi it's fucking mickey if you were passionate about a business then you would know what it takes to run a fucking business but you don't so don't even act like you're about the disney life so yeah, I mean, definitely this would be something that we need to keep eyes on, but genuinely we do. I mean, this, this could have massive implications for the industry. All right, well, Scarlett Johansson does pull the headlines because she is who she is, especially in the Marvel movies. This, this affects a lot of people. Then today, I actually have an interactive section for you. This morning on Twitter, I asked you, what do you want me to talk about on today's show? But dumb requests only. Wait, is that real? Is that a real thing? Can I even talk about that on the show? Okay, so there is a journalist who has worked, they say, for GQ, ST Style Magazine, Evening Standard, the, the Sunday Times Magazine. Looks like their name is Flora Gill. And, uh okay, this was supposed to be a joke section. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't go into something with like a fully, f- s- play. her ah. two latest tweets, as of recording, uh, absolutely not getting swept up at another Twitter cesspool, so delete a tweet before it picks up steam. Obviously not an actual solution, but it is a real problem. Everyone take a deep breath. Apropos of nothing, I really think if someone quickly deletes a tweet, it shouldn't be screenshotted and shared. Like, just let it die, you know? No, no one else agree? And the tweet in question that Flora wrote is, uh, someone needs to create porn for children. Hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> Young teens are already watching porn, but they're finding hardcore aggressive videos that give a terrible view of sex. They need entry-level porn. A softcore site where everyone asks for consent and no one gets choked, etc." <laughs> That is probably the worst way she could have worded this random thought. And I mean, if you go through the replies of those tweets, she's getting hammered harder than the the porn she doesn't want people to watch. Cause Flora, I, I get the part of what you're saying in the sense of like porn sets up a really aggressive idea of what sex is. I'm also someone that personally started watching. Porn before I was 18, I know I'm probably the only one. And so what you were saying was that when someone starts watching porn, they should see something that, you know, it's like soft core where everything seems tame, it's all good, explicitly seeing people giving consent, almost as if it's a PSA, but you're gonna lose everyone when you say make porn for children. It's just weird and creepy and yeah, it, it, it is an attention grabbing sentence, but it's a weird, creepy attention grabbing sentence. Like, I just don't even know how you type that and go like, yeah, this is gonna be received okay. Also, if I can just like chime in with my own advice at the end of this story, I think really like the only solution whatsoever to this is just parents talking to their children. Like I think back to the shit that I got into and the stuff that I saw when I saw it. And you can like do whatever, but ultimately at the end of the day, you're, you're not gonna be able to hide your child from the world. So I think the only thing you can really do is prepare them for the world. Like at some point, one of their friends is gonna show them something. I remember, I jokingly say the name Greg. There was a dude named Greg, showed me a penthouse, a brain exploded and the stuff that's on the internet now. Oh my God. Just have conversations with your children and prepare them for the world because otherwise, what is the, the internet's not supposed to be their parent. Come on y'all, I wanted fun stories. See like Code wrote, how my wife takes the blankets every night and expects me to be okay with it, but still refuses to take out the garbage regardless of what I say. And I agree, Code, this is an issue of national security. Yeah, Code, what I would say is you give her one more warning. You say, hey, Yes, relationships are all about give and take, but you don't give me shit and take my covers. And then uh, what do you think about Conor McGregor, Daniel Cormier? So here's the thing with Conor McGregor, cause it, it's kind of weird. And I say this with like, no offense to Cowboy Cerrone who, you know, Dana White fed him to, to Conor McGregor back in 2020 to give him just any sort of win. Really other than that, Conor McGregor has not won a fight since 2016, unless you consider that old guy from the bar or that bus he fucked up. Though, I mean, it'd be hard to argue against the fact that he is like the ultimate, King of shit talking. Lost his last fight after I believe the medical term is that his leg went all wibbly wobbly. He's on the ground with Joe Rogan, still just like talking so much shit. But the, the thing that that comment is referencing, because after the fight, uh, another fighter by the name of Khabib chimed in congratulating Dustin Poirier, saying good always defeats evil, to which Connor replied this week, COVID is good and father is evil, in reference to the fact that Khabib's father died of COVID 19 last year. And though he later deleted that tweet, unsurprisingly, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, including Daniel Cormier, saying that he actually called Khabib after. After that, to check in uh, to see if he's okay because he was so shocked after the post. He is just taking it way too far. And mm-hmm. when you're when when you're dealing with death and COVID and all these other things that we've dealt with over the last year and a half, that's all off limits. I mean, honestly, yeah. when Connor does stuff like that, it's hard to understand how there's still this 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 mass amount of people that support that type of behavior. And you know, I think when Stuff like that is being said. I think it's a cry for help, right? Conor has all the money in the world. Mm. He has all the fame. But now when you start to dig at that level, it's like somebody needs to get to McGregor and help him, right? Start to kind of reshift his mind and his focus and get him back to a, a better place. And, um it's unfortunate. You know, ultimately with this story, it's, I, I don't enjoy saying this, but it's like Conor McGregor has been given the spotlight and the time to just expose himself for who he really is. And there's a difference between like being a really good fight promoter and understanding the marketing and just being a general scumbag. And for me, it's disappointing. Cause I'm a guy that's, I loved watching Conor McGregor come up and just dominate. And then he does and says shit thing after shit thing. You know, I think it's very giving of Daniel Cormier to be like, this could be a cry for hell help from Conor McGregor. But, you know, while he ended up deleting the tweet, I don't think he's actually going to pull back in any meaningful way because he's very much, if you look at his other stuff, he very much seems to be of the mindset of like, I'm rich, so fuck you. And honestly, from a marketing standpoint, it doesn't serve him to be a nice guy. I mean, think about Who else can make that much money just taking L after L, other than Logan Paul. Like once again, McGregor only has one win in the last five years. So really like getting people to pay money to see if, you know, he's gonna get his mouth fucking closed, I don't know. It's not something I actively think about but with it being brought up, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to know your thoughts. And from that, I wanna take a quick second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, SeatGeek. You know, most of you know I've worked with SeatGeek for a long time now, and I'm so excited to be working with them again. One, because they've just always been a great partner. And two, it just means that we're slowly getting back to normal, whatever the hell that is. Like, I don't know if you've gotten vaccinated and you've started, but like, can you remember live events, sports, concerts, artist exhibits, festivals, stand up, comedy, and the list goes on and on. And our friends at SeatGeek have all the tickets to get you back out there whenever you're personally ready. SeatGeek has you back by putting tickets from across the web in one place to make buying simple. So whether it's next week or next year, you can find any and all tickets that you want. They even rate every ticket from zero to 10 to make sure that you're getting a good deal. And it's as simple as green means good, red means bad. And on top of it all, you can get $20 off your first purchase by using code Phil at checkout. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code Phil. Click that link, download the app and get started today. Then up in Canada, you have the Catholic church making news because they're attempting to combat bad PR through throughout Canada over the ongoing backlash to revelations about how absolutely horrible the administration of residential schools actually was. Right, I've covered the situation before. I'll link to it down below, but a a quick TLDR. Residential schools were a system of schools largely for indigenous children that were mostly run by the Catholic Church with federal government funding. Schools were notoriously cruel, and for so long there were allegations that children would go missing. And to date, over 1,300 unmarked graves have been found at four residential schools across Canada. And the true number of those impacted we don't know right now because that's just a fraction of the over 130 schools that used to exist. However, despite the pretty conclusive evidence for how shit these schools were, some still supported them. For weeks, you had Father Rayal Forrest of the St. Boniface Archdiocese in Winnipeg telling parishioners that the victims of the residential schools, particularly those sexually abused, had lied. If they wanted extra money for the money that was given to them, they had to lie sometimes, lie that they were abused sexually, oop, another $50,000. So it's kind of hard if you're poor, not to lie. Going on to defend the entire school system, saying that while working with native communities, most enjoyed the schools. And unsurprisingly, his comments drew a ton of backlash. In fact, he ended up being placed on leave this week. A spokesperson for the archdiocese saying that the institution completely disavows Forrest's comments. And while Forrest was out there exposing himself for just being an absolute scumbag, he wasn't the only PR nightmare for Catholicism in Canada. According to documents now obtained by CBC News, the Roman Catholic Church spent over a decade avoiding paying out money to survivors. Right back in 2005, it, along with Protestant churches that also ran some residential schools, they agreed to pay money to victims of the schools. But instead, according to an internal summary of 2015 court documents, the Catholic Church actually spent much of that money on lawyers, administration, a private fundraising company, and unapproved loans. Now, with that, some of that is technically legal, such as a promise to give tens of millions back via in-kind services. However, there was no audit if these services actually happened or of the alleged value of the services. And to be clear here, it's not like that was the standard practice for the churches that entered the 2005 agreement. All of the other denominations paid out their sums many years before without issues. That said, it is important to note that not everyone in the Catholic church is happy about how the institution has handled the situation or thinks that the victims are lying for more cash. One priest that we've seen has been very vocal about his criticisms of the church, saying that the conduct around the legal agreement is scandalous, really shameful. It was a loophole. I think it might be legal, but it's not ethical. And you know, these revelations are just gonna help fuel the anger against the Catholic church, especially with the communities that have been affected, which could unfortunately lead to even more churches being targeted allegedly by these groups. Then, I mean, if there is an Olympic event for being a shit Head. At the very least, I, I think you'd get on the podium, if you're one of these people that are exposing LGBTQ athletes. Right, right now, openly LGBTQ plus Olympians are more visible than they've ever been. According to Outsports. at least 172 of the around 11,000 Olympians are out, which is triple of what we saw in Rio in 2016. But unfortunately also what we're seeing here are closeted Olympians more visible than ever as well. Right, and that's because some people have been using apps like Grindr and its Explorer feature, which allows you to search and see users in specific locations, AKA places like the Olympic Village. Right, and some aren't just contacting who they discover, but rather sharing this information on platforms like TikTok and Twitter. Which one, if you ever out somebody, how fucking dare you, you scumbag. And also two, like when we talk about something international like this, you're putting people at serious risk. There are countries where if you're a part of the alphabet mafia, it's illegal. And yeah, we're seeing places like TikTok and Twitter saying that they've removed certain posts, they're trying. You're still actively playing with people's lives. Then for a lot of you out there, you should definitely be keeping in mind relief programs because many are going away. Asterisk, unless something changes, but starting with housing. As of right now, the federal eviction moratorium that's been protecting millions of renters, right? You have 11 million Americans at risk of losing their homes. That's ending in just a few days on July 31st. Then you have unemployment, right? 25 states have already ended their expanded unemployment benefits, but right, the additional $300 a week that is ending in early September. Food assistance, if you've been one of the households that have gotten additional food stamps of about $100 more a month, that's ending September 30th. And then finally, unless something changes starting on October 1st, if you have a student loan, you're gonna have to start paying back again. Or you could just not, but you know, I'm not your daddy. I'm not gonna force you. Also, quick side note, if you vote me to be president in 2024, I will legalize hitting debt collectors with baseball bats. Sure, they're just regular people doing a job, but you know, I'm not running on good moral solutions. I'm running on emotional catharsis. Right, and so that is the way that everything's looking right now, unless something changes with the Biden administration or something happens in Congress. So really hoping anything happens in Congress, especially the Senate, it feels like it's a it's a hard thing to do right now. Though, in other news, we should talk about President Biden's $4.1 trillion Build Back Better Infrastructure proposal, clearing a major procedural hurdle in the Senate yesterday, with the Senate agreeing 67 to 32 to open formal debate on one part of the plan. So what we're going to see is that the Senate will now continue to mold an unfinished $550 billion infrastructure spending bill that Republican and Democratic negotiators have spent weeks working on, with the bill being tailored towards improving roads, bridges, and expanding broadband internet nationwide, all of which has wide bipartisan support, especially as much of the country's infrastructure is a half a century old, and engineers are worried about its long-term stability. Now, the bill is still undergoing revisions, negotiations, but it is expected to pump around $110 billion of new funding for surface transportation projects, 73 billion to upgrading power infrastructure, 65 billion for high-speed internet nationwide, and 55 billion for expanding access to clean drinking water. With it also having some other more niche plans, such as building a nationwide network for charging electric vehicles. But at this point, you may have noticed, I started by saying 4.1 trillion and then said 550 billion. Huge discrepancy, also part of the reason why not everyone is happy. Republicans were largely okay with spending hundreds of billions of dollars to approve key aspects of American infrastructure, but they alongside some moderate Dems heavily disagreed about spending another $3.5 trillion on other things that Biden wanted to pass. Things like expanding healthcare coverage, creating jobs and improving social safety nets. And so with that, you might ask yourself, okay, so is it dead? Does Biden plan to get the money somewhere else? You know, one possible way is reconciliation, a procedure that allows budget bills to be passed with a simple majority vote in the Senate once a year, but that also has its own issues and could be a major roadblock for many. Republicans may back out of the unfinished $550 billion infrastructure bill if there's a 3.5 trillion reconciliation package coming right behind it. Also, you might not even have the votes of a simple majority for that 3.5 trillion. More moderate Dems, such as Senator Kirsten Sinema, saying she has made clear that while I support beginning this process, I do not support a bill that costs 3.5 trillion, right? And so then uh, potentially another hurdle is in the House of Representatives. Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said that while she is optimistic about the infrastructure bill, she has said that she won't even let the House hear it until the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill has also been passed you know, fun. And ultimately with this story or really anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation, right? Between friends and or frenemies. But with that said, as always, hit that like button, subscribe, all the good stuff. Remember, Monday we have that new drop coming, but of course, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you next time.